Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Radio! Good evening. You are listening to the K-I-R-P Radio Show. That is Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller. This is your guest host, Rocco P. Last Fridays of the month. Tonight, the topic is Election 2020, What to Expect. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to approach it from a somewhat 
different perspective. If you'd like to get on the air tonight, please call. Uh, we, I will get you on that number six one nine six three eight eight five five nine six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. There is so much, uh, and there always is so much excitement. You could say trepidation, anxiety, uh, raw energy, focused on the election, which I think you would properly or more appropriately or more accurately call a selection. You just have to put an S between the A selection 2020. Yes, I do think it's rigged. As uh, George Carlin has said, if a voting can change anything, they wouldn't let us do it. But voting, as I have said before, it is the illusion of choice. Uh, John Whitehead, constitutional attorney, refers to it as the illusion of participation. You still participate, but what's going on is that your participation does not result in any fundamental change. Any real choice is the illusion of choice when both parties are controlled by the same interest. I know that is, that's heartbreaking to many to get so terribly emotionally invested in particular candidates voting for someone or normally voting against someone. As I've said before on the show, voting against anyone uh, has gotten us to where we are and never changes anything. Uh, certainly, the rhetoric of the Republican Party is ostensibly, openly, clearly uh, less evil, uh, less morally disgusting, uh, less, uh, less damaging potentially to the country than the rhetoric of the Democrats. However, 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 remember, remember. When President Trump was elected, the Republicans controlled the House of Representatives and the Senate, as well as, of course, the presidency with Trump, who ran as a Republican. President Trump, and I believe every Republican that ran for Congress or the Senate, whether it was uh, a new candidate or uh, an incumbent running for re-election, they all ran as part of their platform to repeal Obamacare or the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, which you could call the Patient the uh, the Patient Non-Protection and Non-Affordable Care Act, or the Patient Destruction and Non-Affordable Care Act. They all ran to repeal it. The Congress had voted when Obama, President Barack Hussein Obama, aka Barish Shapiro, was in power. They had voted to repeal all or part of it, no less than oh, uh, 20 times. I forget the exact number. One congressman, I covered this on a show previously, one Republican congressman, when he was asked, you know, why if you voted when when Obama was in office, when President Obama was in the White House, you voted to repeal Obamacare, why is it different now? And he was honest. He gave an honest answer, and he basically said, well, now essentially it's it's different because something could actually happen. So that, those were just those are all ceremonial votes. And and for those who think that yeah, you have to vote for Donald Trump because Biden is so horrible. And of course, I know I understand the rhetoric. The rhetoric is much worse on the Democratic Party. Okay, they've gone hard left. I hate to use those words left right, but they they be, they basically become far more radical in uh, you know their their progressive ways. Okay, and you clearly see it in terms of you know fomenting the riots after. Uh, after Floyd, George Floyd died, 
And uh, if you didn't get the memo, George Floyd, George Floyd was not executed by that police officer that had his uh, knee on his neck. That didn't happen. The knee wasn't wasn't choking him. Okay, it was a hold, but it wasn't over his throat. Uh, if you didn't get the memo, if you didn't get the memo, check the autopsy. George Floyd had, I believe, three times the amount of fentanyl that would be uh, needed to kill a human being. <clears throat> the autopsy is clear. Uh, he didn't die from asphyxiation. In any case, uh, and of course, police, police brutality is real. If you think that uh, I would deny that, you haven't listened to this show before, at least not, you just haven't listened to it. In any case, what we see now is the Democrats are clearly fomenting, encouraging, aiding and abetting violent protest, really, riots, destruction of property, uh, arson, vandalism. I think a lot of the a lot of the people that are involved in the protest, you might even you probably say clearly the vast majority of probably people that are peaceful. But it only takes a small number of Asian provocateurs. Again, I've covered this before on the show. We had bricks that showed up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, in New York City, uh, in Baltimore. Bricks just showed up the night before the protest. No one removed them. That was no accident, especially in areas where there's no construction. So there's clearly Asian provocateurs. Undeniably, there's Asian provocateurs. The point being, I understand the rhetoric behind the Democratic Party now, especially at the national level, the DNC, uh, it is far more disgusting. But remember, not only who Trump is as an individual, okay, that yeah, he is a proven liar. Yeah, he has not he has not uh, produced on anything he's really said. You could perhaps say maybe trade with China, which is ultimately destructive anyhow, and he's backtracked. But uh, Hillary was not locked up. Uh, a wall was not built, and because a wall wasn't built. If it would be built, Mexico's not going to pay for it. Trump has lied about essentially everything. He's backtracked on illegal immigration. As usual, politics, Washington, D.C., it's all talk and no action. But worse than that, consider his Supreme Court justice picks. Neil Gorsuch. Now, now, during COVID-19, during the pandemic, during the greatest psyop or psychological operation in world history that we're living through, People didn't notice that uh, Trump's Supreme Court pick basically has said now with a ruling that, uh, you know what, uh, you can't really discrimination, uh, sexual discrimination, it covers gender, so it covers gender identification. So if someone says they're a woman and they want to be considered a man, now magically you have federal protection. And this will be used, mark my words, yeah. More than one legal expert has said this. This will be used at the very least, if not to destroy churches preaching and teaching against homosexuality or any, or any gender confusion, any transgenderism. It will clearly be used to destroy any schools of a religious character, not just Christian, you would say, you know, Orthodox Jewish schools, others that would oppose that. It's, it's going to happen. So when you have these emotional arguments, you have to vote for Trump. The Supreme Court just, you have to vote for Trump gun control. What will, what will in all probability happen? I believe Trump has been selected to get a second term. And then they will flip control of the Senate to the Democrats. So then we have alleged divided government. 
but make no mistake about it, they are planning they are planning chaos. Why why do I feel so strongly that Trump has been selected to win the election? That yeah, the selection twenty twenty will go to Donald J. Trump. Why do I feel like well, a few things. One one would be the fake stock market rebound. Okay, so the people are struggling, especially with the lockdowns. That would be an understatement. I didn't pull up any stats tonight about as far as people being evicted from uh, their apartments, people losing their homes, the uh, jobless claims, and again, fast forward what's going to happen when unemployment taps out. It's a horrible thing. It's, it's, it's an incredibly wicked thing, and it's done by both Democratic and Republican governors telling people, well, you're what you do for a living isn't essential. You can't work. It's a horrible thing. I've said it before. You, look, you get the first three chapters of the book of Genesis right. Okay? The Bible is shaping my worldview without apology. God created work before sin entered the world. Work is good. The ground is cursed. Work is hard. Things don't work right. <laughs> Things break. You're trying to fix something. Uh, you need a different tool. You're working on a computer. Uh, you can't type what you want to type. <laughs> Software doesn't always work, but work is good. Work is created by God. The ground is cursed. So you have to, you're going to sweat. We're going to sweat, literally or figuratively. But work is good. God created man to be productive. For the government, which is created by God, to then say some people can't work is a horrible thing. It's, it's, it's just it's a horrible thing. So as, as with most issues, like with the COVID South, this is bipartisan. This is bipartisan perversion and you know, bipartisan destruction, controlled demolition of the economy. And uh, that controlled demolition, I think that's the name of a book coming out, forthcoming by Jeff Burr with Controlled Demolition of the U.S. Republic or of America. And it's a good title. So, again, if you're incensed to vote yeah, for Trump, because you oppose Biden, it's uh, remember the election is always a false choice. It's the same form, fit, and function, different suit. My same form, fit, and function. The other thing I, I would say about why Trump's been pre-selected is this: there is a difference. But again, this isn't a, this indicates that Trump has been selected. Biden does have dementia. I am not making fun of Joe Biden, but it's very obvious. Caitlin Johnston, for lack of a better term, would be so-called yeah left libertarian. She has said for months she's a very good writer, Caitlin Johnson. And I'm going to play three clips from Joe Biden spread out over time. This is from August 1st, 2019. This was during a Democratic debate. Okay, And this was a clip I'm looking at. It says, go to Joe 30330. Biden tells confused debate viewers to visit phone numbers, not a complete phone number. And this video is on uh, YouTube. I don't like YouTube uh, because it's owned by Google, a.k.a. Alphabet. Uh, I didn't pull up all the videos. I could have uh, probably could have pulled it up on BitChute, which would have been better, or Library, or DTube. And there's some others. We have to get away from these platforms. Uh, we have to get away. I got off uh, Facebook, a.k.a. Fedbook, you know, well over a year ago. I'm not in, on any other social media. But uh, Guardian has a little blurb about this video. This all 12 seconds. Delivering what must have been delivering what must have been one of the most cryptic gaffes of his career, Joe Biden managed to spark mass confusion during the final moment of the latest Democratic debate. Again, this goes back to August 1st, 2019. 
after your reviewers to visit a website that doesn't exist. In his final remarks after nine other candidates, Biden laid out his 2020 vision before telling those watching, if you agree with me, going to go to Joe30330, referring to a phone number. Here it is. If you agree with me, go to Joe30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. Okay, that again, that was August of last year. Now I'm going to go ahead to February 25th of this year. This is in South Carolina. It's in South Carolina. And uh, Joe Biden was asking for people allegedly to vote for him for president. But he's not too sure. It's not really apparent that he was running for president. South Carolina is going to determine who the next president of the United States is going to be. You really are. You're the ones that sent Bill Clinton to the presidency, and you're the ones that sent Barack Obama to the presidency. And I have a simple proposition here. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name is Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? That's all I've really got to say to you. I'm about, I got two minutes and 30 seconds left. I'm looking at the clock down here. So he's Joe Biden and he's running for the Senate. Again, February 25th, 2020. Think about how long he was out of the Senate. I mean, right. He was with Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Torres, as vice president. Right. Okay, that was eight years. And... And then, yeah, yeah, Trump won. Trump was selected four years ago. Uh, Joe has dementia. Now I'm going to go to five. I'm going to go to five days, five days ago. Okay, had this, uh, I guess, a virtual event, and this is what Joe Biden said as far as COVID death, COVID-19 deaths. If Donald Trump has his way, the complications from COVID-19, which are well beyond but they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. Now, he probably meant 200,000. Again, he said this five days ago. Uh, again, to, to break down the simple propaganda, how they give us a false choice, they're using, they're using COVID-19. They're saying, well, you know, Trump knew it was going to be bad. He didn't do enough. No one, there's not a real choice. In other words, no one's out there running for president from either major party saying, time out. This is, this is false. Uh, the CDC has, has inflated the numbers massively of the deaths. The actual deaths from COVID alone were reported as under 10,000. Then if you throw in respiratory diseases, maybe, again, it would still be comorbidities, but you say comorbidities that are respiratory, then you get around 50,000 deaths, which isn't even the flu. Furthermore, if you had a major candidate run for president from either party saying, you know, we're talking about these testing. This is, this is insane. This is beyond insane. The, the PCR test, 90% have false positives. That was reported by the New York Slimes. So it's out there, and you had, you had uh, new media people, independent media people, alternative media people like Sean Rappaport. He's been all over this since day one. He's done a lot of research, a lot of writing throughout his life on medical fraud. 
you know, he's been all over what happened with AIDS, all over, you know, the vaccine fraud. So there's no real choice. But this is this is how they're playing football with coach. Like, well, Trump for or against Trump? Trump didn't do enough. Yeah, I do more. Okay, so what? Yeah, what do you want to do? You you lock down everyone, give everyone, then you're gonna you're gonna pay everyone for five years. It's not real. I mean, it's 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 just it's not real. It's not real. The reaction to it's everything they've said about COVID-19 has been essentially a lie. So you see Joe Biden, he does have dementia. Again, I'm not making fun of him. I'm just stating an objective fact. So I can only conclude from that that if if the powers that shouldn't be, a.k.a. the power elite, a.k.a. the New World Order, they wanted Biden to win, uh, Biden wouldn't have dementia. They would, they would have went with someone else. That's what I'm saying. They would have went with someone else. Say what you want about Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barack Satoro, uh, the man was articulate. Uh, he was he was a good sp- public speaker. And the great thing about politicians, you know, the vast majority that are phony, is that they could say, they could act like, they could stir people's emotions and really have little or no substance. Ron Paul is probably the only person I've heard in my lifetime that had substance, certainly, that was running for president. That would actually say something that meant something that had actual meaning that differentiated him from uh, anyone else running. But in any case, Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Shaturo, was at least a good speaker. Biden has dementia. I mean, let's, this is just Biden has dementia. The debates with Trump are going to be fascinating because I think it's close enough. When you get it within five points, it's very easy to steal. And, of course, you have you know, the, uh, at the national level, because it was presidential race, you have the electoral college. They could have flipped it very easily, obviously, for Hillary, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton, a.k.a. Hillary Rodham uh, Clinton, a.k.a. Hillary Rodham. And she only goes with Clinton because uh, it's for political reasons. In any case, she, you know, the lesbian running for president, you know, the, you know not not a big secret. She was running. She was she's been a lesbian or at least bisexual. They could have easily flipped it to her when you look at how massively she destroyed Trump in terms of the popular vote. You could have just flipped a couple of states. They wanted Trump to win. I believe they wanted Trump to win again. Once again, if they wanted a Democrat to win, the DNC would not have chosen someone with dementia. You can even go back. It's not just. Biden, of course, it's who is selected. Okay, it's who they want to run, it's who they want to win, who they want to run, and how to present. Go back again to the, to the Democratic primaries. You followed any? I didn't follow it closely, but I remember in Iowa, yeah, Biden had, Biden's bus is no more malarkey. I mean, no more malarkey in 2019. And this is. This is beyond ridiculous. The people around him saying, "Well, this is this is going to get this is going to get Biden votes with young people. This is going to get Biden votes with the black community. And no more malarkey. Like if you're going for everyone, if you're going for people that are over 70 years old, maybe. But so it's they want Trump to win. The real story, though, is what they have planned. What they have planned. The real story is that what is going to happen through the vote, and especially." I think, after the vote. Uh, we have a so-called perfect storm of well-planned chaos. We've had, we have the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, if you heard my show from two weeks ago, 
you can go to bitshoot.com or the website Plandemic, search for Plandemic, and see the documentary, the full documentary, Plandemic 2, indoctrination, not indoctrination, indoctrination. And you'll find out a few a few things. Number one, the COVID-19, or the, corona, the novel coronavirus, was patented. Okay, it was patented before they claim, yeah, it somehow popped out through a, you know, a wet food market in Wuhan because someone you know, bought a bat and they ate it. No, no, this didn't flow from a bat. It was patented before then. And what's come out after pandemic came out is they patented even the test, at least one test, to detect COVID-19. Well, yeah, at least a year before it came out. So this is a pandemic. So we have a perfect storm here, so to speak. We have the COVID-19. There will be a second string of lockdowns. You look what's going on in the Western world right now in the UK. Uh, people are disarmed. It's not. It's not as horrible yet as Australia. Australia's leading the way. Disarmed them years ago, and the other treating the people like they're animals. Uh, New Zealand's very bad, too. They're disarmed, not quite as bad as Australia yet. But in the U.K., right now, uh, only 12 people can congregate outside. So they're all moving back to lockdowns. I, I fully suspect it'll happen here. People are evidently, evidently gullible enough to look at the idea of a case. What does the case matter when they admit? Even if the testing was shown, it's not. Okay, even if 90% of the positives weren't false, okay? What does it matter how many people are infected when the vast majority have no symptoms? See, it's not, it's not a pandemic. It's, it's not a pandemic. It's a pandemic. It's a case demic. Okay, they're lying. But in addition to that, you throw that into mix and George Floyd. Again, George Floyd, who died, check out the autopsy of fentanyl. He died because of the drugs he was taking. He wasn't choked out. That was a pressure hold. The knee was not on his throat. It was on his neck. It was on the side. After that happened, again, we've had massive social unrest throughout the country, and police have stood down. I mentioned before in the intro, there's been Asian provocateurs, people would deliver bricks, and we still have police standing down. After the so-called Breonna Taylor case, again, there was allegedly a no-knock raid. happened in, I believe, Louisville, Kentucky. She got killed. The warrant was for her residence. They were looking for a previous boyfriend. She was sleeping with somebody else. He, uh, he, had, he was legally able to carry concealed. He shouldn't have to get a license for what's a right. In any case, he did. He returned fire. He didn't know who they were. Police came, they claimed they knocked. I don't know if they did. They had one witness. But in any case, she got killed. Uh, she got shot. There was a ruling yesterday that you know, the police weren't, uh, were not uh, guilty of uh, any wrongdoing concerning her. They charged one with reckless endangerment or something, something that could be felonious because some shots were fired into another apartment. But, you know, with her, no problem. And the media's also lied about her. Again, I don't want to attack the character. They keep on saying she was an EMT. She was fired. Okay, she'd been fired before that. And she was involved with the drugs. Not that I think drugs should be criminalized, okay? In any case, that ruling came down... Uh, day before yesterday, and then, yeah, there's been riots throughout the country, right near me in Durham. They put it right out, right out there. I was reading the WRIL piece today. It said the police stood down in Durham, and I don't think, I don't know if 30 or 40 businesses got, 
got uh, not completely destroyed, had windows broken, there were fires. So the police stood down. It was it was fascinating logic because they didn't want to stop traffic. So that's great. It's like, so you're Mr. Restaurant or a furniture store owner. It's like, thank you. Thank you, officer. For Thank you, peace officer. I, I really appreciate the fact that people driving by, they weren't impeded while you know, my store got burnt and all my windows got set. And, and I got looted. Thank you. Thank you. They just admitted it. The police stood down. So this is, this is the mix we have. We've got the, the COVID-19 lockdowns. We've got you know, the fomented race riots. And it is, it is also fascinating that when you've seen the race riots, a lot of the Antifa people and people marching with BLM, which uh, is an openly Marxist organization, they've changed their website. But, you know, they're anti-family, they're anti-nuclear family. It's a filthy, disgusting organization, BLM. Uh, and, you yeah, know, they do it that way to create division because they don't want the people united. So we got that. Then you put into the mix of this, uh, the election is going to be contested. Both sides, not just the Democrats, not just the Republicans. In other words, this isn't like, well, the Democrats are going to be indignant because President Trump is going to, uh, he's going to use the military to stay in office or he's going to use the military to suppress riots. No. And it isn't just uh, from Trump's side. Well, you know, it's the Democrats. They're not going to concede you know, if Trump wins. They're going to cause problems. Both sides want this want this control chaos. Okay, it's going to be it's going to be order out of chaos before we get to the order. There's going to be a lot of chaos. There's a lot of sophisticated and not sophisticated propaganda that's being used on the American people. There's a lot of sophisticated and not so sophisticated propaganda that is being used on the American public. And what do I mean by that? Uh, a piece today in the New York Slimes, okay? Today, New York Slimes uh, called, and Trump, uh, I'm sorry, Drudge, Drudge ran headlines yesterday and today about all this. Today, his headline, Drudge's headline, you know, Drudge has gone to the so-called left. Uh, I read one source saying it's because he was felt alienated from the White House. I think there's more than circumstantial evidence Drudge sold it, uh, sold the site, but I mean, he's lost millions of viewers. In any case, Drudge headline today, growing fear election could be militarized. Growing fear election could be militarized. So Drudge, Drudge clearly, or the people running the Drudge report, clearly don't want Trump reelected. Okay. And he, he, links today, he links today to this New York Slimes piece called, At Pentagon, fears grow that Trump will put military into election unrest. At Pentagon, fears grow that Trump will put military into election unrest. I'm going to read from some of this and then break down some of the points as far as the, the propaganda, sophisticated and unsophisticated. President Trump gave officials no solace Wednesday when he again refused to commit to a peaceful transfer, transfer of power no matter who wins the election. On Thursday, he doubled down by saying he was not sure the election could be honest. His hedging, along with his expressed desire in June to invoke the 1807 Insurrection Act to send active duty troops onto American streets to quell protest over the killing of George Floyd, has caused deep anxiety among senior military and Defense Department leaders who insist they will do all they can to keep the armed forces out of the elections. Quote, I, deep, I believe deeply in the principle of an apolitical U.S. military, end quote. General Mark A. Milley, or Miley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said in, a, said in written answers to questions from House lawmakers released last month, quote, in the event of a dispute over some aspect of the elections by U.S. 
by law, U.S. courts and the U.S. Congress are required to resolve any disputes, not the U.S. military. I foresee no role for the U.S. armed forces in this process, end quote. But that has not stopped an intensifying debate in the military about its role should a disputed election lead to civil unrest. On August 11th, John Agal and Paul Yingling, both Yingling, both retired Army officers and Iraq War veterans, published an open letter to to Milley or Miley on the website Defense One. Quote, in a few months' time, you may have to choose between defying a lawless president or betraying your constitutional oath, they wrote. If Donald Trump refuses to leave office at the expiration of his constitutional term, the United States military must remove him by force, and you must give that order. Pentagon officials swiftly said such an outcome was preposterous. Under no circumstances, they said, would the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff send Navy SEALs or Marines to halt Trump to halt Trump out of the White House. If necessary, such a task, Foreign officials said, would fall to U.S. Marshals or the Secret Service. The military, by law, the officials said, takes a vow to the Constitution, not to the President, and that vow means that the Commander-in-Chief of the military is where we're sworn in at 12.01 p.m. on Inauguration Day. And to clarify that, uh, everyone... Everyone in Congress, everyone, everyone takes a, a vow to the Constitution, not to the present. Getting back to the New York Slimes piece, but senior leaders at the Pentagon, I love this next phrase, speaking on the condition of anonymity, speaking on the condition of anonymity, acknowledged that they were talking among themselves about what to do with Trump, who will still be present from Election Day to Inauguration Day, invokes the Insurrection Act and tries to send troops into the streets, as he threatened to do during the protest against police brutality and systemic racism. Both Miley and Defense Secretary Mark Esper opposed the move then, and Trump backed down. I'm going to get get more into this alleged difference between the uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Miley, and uh, Defense Secretary Mark Esper. We'll, We'll dive into that a little bit more. Getting back to the slides piece, the concerns are not unfounded. The Insurrection Act, a two-century-old law, enables a president to send an act to duty military troops to quell disturbances over the objections of governors. Trump, who refers to the armed forces as my military and my generals, has lumped in with other supporters like bikers for Trump who could offer backup in the face of opposition. And that, that's really funny that they, they throw it in because other presidents, I'm sure, have said that. And, yeah, the bias in this piece is obvious. This piece is you know, playing to the left, just trying to incite them to say, you know, Trump isn't going to leave office. He's going to try and use the military to stay in power. Back to the Slimes piece, several Pentagon officials said there could be the resignations among many of Trump's senior generals, starting at the top with Miley, should troops be ordered into the streets at the time of the election. Protests and occasional violent confrontations. Yeah, just they're only occasional. They're only occasional including one in Portland, Oregon last month that turned deadly and one in Louisville this week after a grand jury in Kentucky declined to charge any officers in the killing of Breonna Teller, have continued to roll the country and are further increasing concerns at the Pentagon. The main fear is that Portland is off-Broadway and that Broadway would be something here, said Derek Cholet, who is an assistant secretary of defense under President Barack Obama. The idea is that you're going to have a kind of kindling out there, and Trump is doing nothing to keep that from getting more flammable. I do agree with that statement from uh, that person that worked for Obama. 
I do think Trump is doing not only Trump is doing nothing, uh, Trump is throwing gas onto it. We'll get to that more later. This year, Rosa Brooks is your, and we'll, we'll, we'll say more about Rosa Brooks later, <laughs> or at least someone named Whitney Webb will. This year, Rosa Brooks is Georgetown University law professor and a Defense Department official under Obama, led a group of about 100 former national security officials and election experts from both parties in exercises to simulate the most serious risk to a peaceful transition of power. The confrontation in Lafayette Square near the White House in June crystallized for, the, for the, the Defense Department just how close to the precipice in the military, uh, just how close to the precipice the military came to being pulled into a domestic political crisis. Military helicopters and armed members of the National Guard patrolled the streets next to federal agents in riot gear so that the president, flanked by Esper, the defense, Secretary of Defense, and Miley, General, who's, over, who's a Joint Chiefs of Staff head, could walk across the square and hold up a Bible in front of St. Louis Episcopal Church. Current and former members of the armed forces were outraged. Here's where it gets. Here's where the uh, the uh, the propaganda gets more sophisticated. What do I mean by that? The the easy propaganda to see in this is that the left and the right are both creating. Yeah, they're both stoking the fires of this. They're both using incendiary language. They're both basically saying the other side is going to steal the election. The so-called left and Democrats are saying, and high-level operatives are saying, well, Trump's not going to leave peacefully. He's going to try to use the military to, uh, you know, to stay in power. Yeah. Now, let's say Trump did, did, you know, did use the military. Let's say cities are burning. Okay. Let's say cities are burning. National Guards, if some governors – didn't want to deploy the National Guard, would that be a valid use of the military? I, I think so. Okay. But they're, they're conflating that with saying, well, Trump's going to use them to then suppress the riots and then stay in power. That's what they're saying. And then Trump himself, you know, throwing a whole lot of gasoline on this by repeatedly, not just, you know, he's using, he's using ambiguous language as far as transition of power and things like that, but he's basically said outright, the Supreme Court's going to decide this. Okay. And then that, that throws more flame on the fire, more fuel on the fire again with the Supreme Court nomination they want to get through now. Uh, so both sides, both sides want this emotions, okay? They want the emotions to run high because they want to create this chaos. Here's where it gets a little more sophisticated in the New York Slimes piece again. We'll get back to Defense Secretary Esper and the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Miley. It sickened me yesterday to see security personnel, including members of the National Guard, forcibly and violently clear a path through Lafayette Square to accommodate the President's visit outside St. John's Church. Admiral Mike Mullen, the Chairman, the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President George W. Bush and Obama on the Atlantic. This is not the time for stunts. And it's debated whether or not, as far as the violence, uh, I, 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 really, I don't know if anyone was tased or not, or I don't, I don't think any pepper spray was used. But, yeah, they may have physically, yeah, basically had a whole lot of people just move. Yeah, you have, you have people that are armed and are, uh, have a whole lot of gear on, and you just you get out of the way. So, But in any case, both men but Miley especially, were so sharply criticized 
by former military and Pentagon leaders for taking part in the walk that they spent the, the days afterward in serious damage control. Esper held an extraordinary news conference in which he broke with the president and said that active duty troops should not be sent to control protest. His words so angered Trump that the president had to be persuaded not to fire him. Aid says the time. You know, notice they don't, everyone's anonymous. They don't say who it is. I don't believe that for a moment. Why? Uh, whether you hate Trump or like him or you don't care about Trump, one thing is certain. He has no problem firing people. Look how many people he's canned in his administration. Uh, I, I, I don't have a list. It's, it's amazing. Look how many people, uh, <laughs> his chief of staff, I don't, what's it been? Was he on number five now? I don't know. He has no problem firing people. So this idea, like, if Trump wanted to fire Esper, he would have fired Esper, okay? Getting back to the slides piece. My only publicly apologized for the walk across the park. Quote, I should not have been there, he said in a video address to National Defense University. His apology also infuriated Trump. Both men are still in their jobs for now. On Thursday, the general reiterated his position on keeping the military out of the 2020 election when he urged U.S. service members around the world during a video question and answer session to keep the Constitution close to your heart. His words were subtle, but those watching knew what he meant. Okay, why, why is this... This whole Esper Miley thing, at the time it happened, I thought it was very interesting. And then I was able to, I believe, deconstruct what's, what's going on with the propaganda. You have Defense Secretary Esper and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, okay, uh, General Miley, who then went with Trump to have the little photo op. Now, yeah, Trump held the Bible. He obviously, there's no evidence he reads the Bible and knows where it is. He goes over to an apostate Episcopal church, holds the Bible out. He has his photo op. They leave. Okay, again, was any violence used to clear the way? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Didn't look into it. Uh, certainly no one, no one was shot or anything. Of course, you know, if someone was tased, that was wrong. If someone, pepper spray was used, yes, that was wrong. So they have the photo op, and after the photo op, Esper and Miley, uh, they, uh, they politically repent. They felt bad about it. They're convicted not by the Holy Spirit, but they're convicted by political expedience or something beyond that to then say, you know, Miley said, publicly said, apologize, says I should not have been there. What was, what was this all about? Okay, here's, here's where the, once again, the easy layer of propaganda is this. They're playing this left versus right that, yeah, the left is saying Trump will not leave and that he'll attempt to use the military to stay in power. He'll reject, uh, he'll reject wherever state, whatever happens with the Electoral College or otherwise He's just not going to budge, and maybe he'll create chaos by himself to basically, you know, tip tip the scales in his favor. And you could say that's it's a possible scenario if this couple, a couple of states where it's close, and those states are burning, or cities in those states are burning, and uh, you know the votes aren't clear. Yeah, it's possible. Then Trump himself is is basically <laughs> is inflaming the left. By saying, well, yeah, they're going to steal it. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, you know, the vote's going to be fraught with absentee, with absentee ballots. I think that's true. I don't know if it's one state in New Jersey. I think it's, which is obviously you know, very, very corrupt like New York. I think, don't quote me on this, they are mailing an absentee ballot to like either anyone alive or anyone who may have voted. It's just insane. So it's not, what integrity could there be with that when you're just sending out votes like popsicles? At least you should have to request an absentee ballot, but so that that'll be no paper trail. And you have a lot. You have some shenanigans now 
with the Board of Elections in North Carolina, probably staged, but the two Republicans on the five-person five uh, state election board, they resigned the other day because uh, they're extending the, uh, the uh, I think, the deadline for absentee ballots, among other things. But in any case, both sides are clearly saying that uh, it's going to be stolen. It's going to be stolen. The outcome isn't going to be clear, and they're going to be stolen. But this idea of the use of the military is fascinating. So that's the, that's the, easy, that's the easy way to see the propaganda, okay? What's more sophisticated? Why do we have, why do we have Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, General Miley, and why do we have Secretary of Defense Esper then you know, politically repent on this? Why they recant? Okay, they're creating the illusion that the military does not want to be used against the U.S. public. But you know, Trump is evil, and he would want to use the military against the U.S. public. The reality is the military at the highest levels, yes, they want to be unleashed on the U.S. public. They want the martial law. That's the PSYOP. So when martial law does occur, and we may see it in part or in whole, sad to say, after the election, then you know, this piece puts in some people's minds, well, the military didn't want to be deployed, but they had to be. They, they didn't want to. They didn't want to bad me. That's a little bit more sophisticated, but you know, I believe that's exactly what's going on. Uh, Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump has said. You get back to this. Trump has taught, has openly talked about the Supreme Court being involved. That's what he said. You know, Trump has openly talked about it. Trump. This is a piece from two days ago, September 23rd, Washington. Uh, I'm sorry, New York Compost, New York Post. Trump says Supreme Court will need nine justices to decide 2020 election. He's just throwing it right out there. So again, think about how this is already infuriating the left that are you know, are flipping out because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Trump wants to replace right away. Which again, I, I, it's fine if either party would do that. I mean, uh, it's just that's the way it would work. But think about he knows. And the people around Trump knows when he says this openly, how that makes even what's going to occur beforehand all the more incendiary and divisive. To quote the New Yorker, New York Post piece, President Trump on Wednesday said Republicans must swiftly approve his nominee to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg because the November 3rd election is likely to be resolved by the Supreme Court. Trump said the mass distribution of mail-in ballots amid the COVID-19 pandemic probably will result in a legal battle that justices will decide. Quote, I think this scam that the Democrats are pulling, it's a scam. This scam will be before the U.S. Supreme Court, and I think that having the 4-4 situation is not a good situation if you get that. Trump told reporters during an event in the White House cabinet room. I don't know that you get that. I think it should be 8 nothing or 9 nothing, but just in case it would be more political than it should be, I think it's very important to have a ninth justice. A bitter court, badly, bitter court battle is widely feared in Washington, with Republicans alleging possible fraud with mail-in ballots and warning of high ballot rejection rates as seen in primary contests. A 5-4 ruling decided the 2000 election with the court's five more conservative justices halting a recount of Florida ballots delivering victory to Republican George W. Bush. Uh, we'll look at that a little bit more. I think this will end up in the Supreme Court, and I think it's very important that we have nine justices, Trump said. Trump on Tuesday said he's announcing a serve replacement. He announced today. So you, 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 uh, you look at what happened, just how, how, uh, 
how that happened in 2000. If you remember in 2000, what 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 uh, what was that election? That's a long time ago now. It's 20 years. Al Gore rode on the coattails of uh, William Jefferson Clinton. He was the Democratic nominee. Then you had George W. Bush, whose dad was consummate insider, former CIA director, uh, UN ambassador, a very evil man uh, who was the power behind Ronald Reagan. George Herbert Walker Bush was his dad. They wanted uh, Bush to win, and uh, they had Bush win. But this was amazing because they had it, and again, I think this is all rigged. They focused it just on one state, Florida. The electoral votes could have been contested in other states, but magically it was just it was just Florida. So I'm going to read from uh, that great that great bastion of truth, Wikipedia, about a little bit about what happened in 2000. So again, the precedent's already there for what will uh, what will most likely occur uh, this year. Bush versus Gore was a decision of the U.S. Supreme Court that settled a record dispute in Florida's 2000 presidential election. The ruling was issued on December 12, 2000. On December 9th, the court had preliminarily halted the Florida recount that was occurring. Eight days earlier, the court unanimously decided the closely related case of Bush versus Palm Beach County canvassing board. The Electoral College was scheduled to meet on December 18, 2000, to decide this election. In a procurium decision, the court ruled that the use of different standards of counting in different counties violated the Equal Protection Clause and ruled that no alternative method could be established within the time limit set by Title III of the U.S. Code which was December 12th. The vote regarding the Equal Protection Clause was 7-2, and regarding the lack of an alternative method was 5-4. So you had two votes. One, one was close, one was 5-4. The Equal Protection Clause was 7-2. They didn't want to make that confusing again because they want us divided. Three concurring justices also asserted that the Florida Supreme Court had violated Article 2, Paragraphs 1, Clause to the Constitution by misinterpreting Florida election law that had been enacted by the Florida legislation. The Florida Supreme Court decision allowed the previous vote certification to stand, as made by Florida Secretary of State Catherine Harris, for George W. Bush as the winner of Florida's 25 electoral votes. Florida's votes gave Bush, the Republican candidate, 271 electoral votes, one more than than the required 270 to win the Electoral College, and the defeated Democratic candidate Al Gore, who received 266 electoral votes. Media organizations subsequently analyzed the ballots and found this is great. Uh, this is great because that they have no source for what they for what I'm about to read. Media organizations subsequently analyzed the ballots and found that the originally proposed county-based recounts would have resulted in a different outcome: Bush victory, then a full statewide recount, Gore victory. Florida subsequently changed the new voting machines to avoid punch cards, which had allowed dimple cards or hanging chat. We see how they throw that bomb in there in Wikipedia. Media organizations subsequently analyzed the ballots and found that the originally proposed county-based recounts would have resulted in a different outcome, Bush victory, but a full statewide recount, which would have been more democratic, Gore victory, no sources. And who were those media organizations? (laughs) No sources there. So... I think Trump is right when he's saying it will be decided by the Supreme Court. Uh, but both sides, what I'm stressing, both sides want this chaos. Okay, I've talked before about the Hegelian dialectic, problem-reaction-solution. Uh, Hegel was a philosopher. Uh, Karl Marx was influenced by Hegel. 
uh, what did Hegel do? What we're talking about the dialectic. Okay, he would say you'd have you'd have a position, you'd have you'd have a position, a thesis, then you'd have an opposing position, antithesis. There were those ideas, those two propositions fight out, and then there would be a synthesis, problem, reaction, solution, synthesis as that through the through the uh, synthesis would be something new that would come out through through the uh, the thesis versus synthesis through the conflict, problem, reaction, and solution. Then it would start over, and synthesis would be a new thesis, there would be a new antithesis, and so on. So you have that Hegelian dialectic called problem, reaction, solution. What we're seeing politically, they're creating this problem, they're creating this chaos. What is, what's the reaction? Okay. The reaction to the political chaos is going to be violence. That's going to be the reaction they want. What's the solution going to be? Yeah, I, I, I do think the military is going to be involved. Maybe not in every state, but certainly uh, there are, if you just think about how easily the public was manipulated through George Floyd. Again, most people still believe that uh, he was murdered. I just read a mainstream piece today, I think it was through the Washington Post, that said he was killed. He wasn't killed. Okay, he died. Read the autopsy. He died through fentanyl. But the American public saw that. It was easily, easily manipulated. And again, you had, not, you had Asian provocateurs that were able, because police stood down again, and there were police, I believe, there were Asian provocateurs themselves, and again, police are standing down even now. But that is relatively small compared to a national election when they have people believing the silly rhetoric that this is the most important election of our lives, which they say every four years. Every four years is the most important election of our lives. Alex Jones uh, basically prostituted himself to a new level. Uh, I, I, I heard one clip by him. It was hilarious last week. He said, this is the most important election in history. <laughs> many reasons not to listen to Alice Jones or take him seriously anymore. In any case, the problem reaction solution, they're creating the problem. Now, the political chaos, the reaction is going to be violence. The solution, solution will be the military. Uh, it, it just does not look good for the republic uh, going forward. It just does not look good. Uh, uh, we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to we're going to dive a little bit deeper, listen to analysis by uh, someone who's done some excellent work, Miss Whitney Webb. She's just done some excellent work. We'll look at that and uh, listen to part, of her, listen to this video, and I'll break that down, give you some more commentary. You listen to KRP Radio Show, keeping it real with Pudgy Miller, guest host Rocco P. KRP Radio. <laughs> Thank you. 
K-I-R-P Radio! I'm gonna play, uh, gonna play a video. It's an interview with Whitney Webb. Who's uh, Whitney Webb? Whitney Webb has become extremely popular in alternative media, new media circles. Uh, she is living in Chile, and she does tremendous research. She reminds me of James Corbett. The difference with this, if you go to the CorbettReport.com, James does does a lot of research. He puts most, the vast majority of what he does, he writes a little bit, vast majority of his videos, and he's assisted by Brock West. Brock West does an excellent job. He does, I think, most of all of his video editing. Whitney doesn't do videos herself. She makes videos, people interview her, but most of what she does, she writes tremendous articles. She does a lot of research. Uh, the article she's referring to uh, in the uh, interview I'm going to play is called Bipartisan Washington Insiders Reveal Their Plan for Chaos If Trump Wins the Election. Bipartisan Washington Insiders Reveal Their Plan for Chaos If Trump Wins the Election. This was dated September 3rd. Uh, I'm going to play this 20-minute interview. Uh, she has other interviews that are out there. This one, unfortunately, is on uh, this is on GooTube or YouTube. She's interviewed by someone named Graham Elwood. Uh, Graham Elwood. Uh, he has, uh, I think, his site is a uh, political vigilante. <laughs> That's the uh, moniker, the name he goes by. Unfortunately, again, he's on YouTube. Uh, there's many other uh, interviews with her you could find. There's, you know, well over an hour. You could go to bitshoot.com and search for Whitney Webb Martial Law or Whitney Webb Deep State. It would probably come up. Uh, her site is, if you want to go to her site directly now, it's Unlimited Hangout. Unlimited Hangout. She previously had posted things on. Uh, she previously posted. She may still at Mint News, uh, and she had also has. I've seen her. I believe posted on Last American Vagabond. Uh, but again, she's very popular now because she does a tremendous amount of research. Again, I can't read the whole article, or the show would go on well over more than an hour. <laughs> Uh, but everything she does say is uh, is sourced. I mean, she'll look a lot of stuff in uh, in the mainstream media and elsewhere. But she very thorough research, and that's what's placing her in the man. I'm going to play this interview now with Graham Elwood. Graham Elwood with Whitney Webb. This, uh, if you want to find this uh, this video on YouTube directly, if you want to see it again, again, her all the sources there are in that article at Unlimited Hangout. If you want to see the actual video, it's called Deep State Orchestrating, Orchestrating Election Chaos for Martial Law. Deep State, Deep State Orchestrating Election Chaos for Martial Law. And the channels with Graham Elwood, Political Vigilante. I will say one caution, though, if any children are listening, uh, you may want to remove them. Unfortunately, she uses some profanity. Uh, I, yeah, I did not edit the video to get out those few words. She says, I'm not endorsing that. I'm endorsing the content, the research she has done. I did not find another video that was as succinct as this that would cover all the points she's going to make. First of all, everybody, welcome to the Political Vigilante. My name is Graham Melwood. We're here with Whitney Webb. Um, and I wanted to talk about this because you put this other article out there. And it's something I've been talking about on this show because it seems like they're very obviously setting us up for mm -hmm. chaos surrounding the election. Oh, yeah. Win or lose, they want, and they really want us in a civil war. And this is just my interpretation. You can tell. Well, me. they do. I agree. Yeah. Oh, I'm, mm -hmm. Especially when 
they saw the unity in the streets in the first, like, two, three weeks of the George Floyd protest, especially that first week. There were tens of millions of people in all 50 states and 18 countries all saying no. And I think they went, uh-oh, this is the thing we feared. Everybody getting together and saying and storming the castle, in essence. I mean, they were burning trees around the White House. People were, like, not having it. And we were doing it in, in every city. So it really, I'm hearing some kind of an echo. One, one thing I would say uh, on this, if you make a few comments with uh, what Graham Elwood just said, uh, on, on the so-called left and so-called right talk about this civil war, it, it's a misnomer as far as civil war. What, what is being provocateur, what's being planned, what's being engineered is is basically political and then violent destruction, not civil war. In other words, the idea in the American context of a civil war, which is a misnomer, it was the war of northern aggression. Okay, the North invaded the South, but this conflict is not regional. So this idea of civil war, it's it's really nonsense. I mean, it's it's a misnomer at best. That's not what's going to play out. It isn't like some states would be fighting others. It has nothing to do with any regional conflict. It has to do with ripping the country apart, create chaos to then give to then give the solution they want, which is to introduce the military in in, uh, in the general public. Um, let me make sure I got. Uh-huh. Could also be my toddler. Okay, all right. Making noise outside my door. <laughs> Wants yeah. to come in, I guess. I do sound like a toddler sometimes. So, uh, and, <laughs> and I think they realized, because I, I saw the narrative change from the George Floyd, and then they quickly mm-hmm. make it like, oh, there's a race war in this country. And I was like, wait a minute. I was at a bunch of protests in L.A. It was every. It was all, all people from all walks of life. And in cities even like Portland that are primarily white cities, it was all these white people on the streets for Black Lives Matter. And yet they keep pushing this this civil war, this race war, and they're really ramping us into that. And then Trump is just flat out saying, oh, I'm, I, it's rigged if I lose. So he's, he's teeing up his, his base, and they, they want a conflict, and I have no doubt that there's private... Yeah, activity. it's both sides. It's, it's 100% both sides, because um, they're just playing into this, and people really need to... I don't know. Um, I mean, at this point, if you're buying into the, the two-party illusion at this point... Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you're not going to be able to see the big picture, really, of what's going on and why they want this chaos um, and how they're going to do it and all this stuff. Like, the RNC and the DNC have a lot of uh, overlap when it comes to policies, you know, like endless wars. Um, you know, it, it, they both end up expanding government. I mean, some of the biggest expansions in government, in police state government, I'd argue, right, happened during the George W. Bush administration, like DHS things like that, that was supposed to be conservative, right? You know, I mean, so, you know, regardless of which party's in office, it's the same policies, and it's been like that for decades and decades and decades. Okay, so we know that both parties have been also blackmailed by intelligence agencies, right? So that's like Epstein shows us that, among other, you know, historical points, right? So they're not exactly, you know, the narrative they're selling you is very unlikely to be what's actually going on, right? And so the narrative that we've seen pumped out the most, at least recently, is that Trump's not going to leave office. And a lot of that is coming from this group that I wrote about last week called the Transition Integrity Project, is what they call themselves. 
right? But basically what they also show is that if there is an election scenario where Trump ends up having a clear winning, they are going to do some wild shit, basically. They are going to convince uh, three states to send different electors to the electoral college, even if Trump won, basically undermining any sort of electoral college win, even if he has it, which is obviously going to make like huge protests on the right, right? And then uh, they say that they're going to convince California, Oregon, and Washington to, to secede from the union unless four demands are met. And among those demands are uh, making Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. Uh, new states and dividing California into five new states to basically, you know, rig, I guess you could say, the state for the Democrats or whatever, um, among other things. So that's just like how they start up, right? And then in January, on that point, I think is as uh, as sophisticated as Winnie Webb is. I would say that that is clearly disinfo. Uh, I do not see the new world order. The powers that should not be letting any states secede. Why? The problem, and she touches on this later, the enemy of individual liberty is centralized power, and she gets in that with the plans to federalize the police. But they would not let states walk away because then other states would want to do it. In other words, pick any state in the union, practically. Once the people realized, hey, if California could walk away and then there's no federal income tax, what, what's the point? What, what, do we, what do we get out of this? <laughs> so, so no, no, they clearly do. I, I, could see it, I could see it being true that they would want to add Puerto Rico again, you know, to slam the, you know, to stack the Electoral College. But as far as states actually just leaving, in other words, dividing California into five states, yeah, that, 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 would, that would pack the Electoral College. But just letting states walk away, never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. They uh, convinced the House of Representatives, which is Democrat, you know, controlled to award the presidency to Biden anyway, even if Trump wins, right? So, yeah, okay, so Joe Biden has a clear win. Trump will leave office. He'll say it was fraud and he won't concede. But then if Trump wins, you have Joe Biden doing the same stuff. And in this simulation, the guy playing Joe Biden was John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager for 2016. And he's like gaming all of this out. And uh, not that long after, you have Hillary Clinton come on. Uh, she went on Showtime uh, and gave an interview and said, you know, I'm confident that if we drag this out, uh, Joe Biden will eventually win, right? If, if we're as relentless as the other side or something like that, right? So. So where, give a specific, where is this, this is a leaked document or this is a video, where, where did you find The Transition Integrity Project did simulations of what would happen in all these different scenarios. And this is important because this group is what I refer to as the Uniparty, the DNC and the RNC establishment coming together. You have people like Bill Chris, neocons, like Bill Crystal, Michael Chertoff, David Frum, all of the Max Booth, Okay, uh, and then you have former RNC chair, uh, Michael Steele. Uh, you have a bunch of people from the 2012 Romney campaign. Okay, and then you have people like Donna Brazil, John Podesta, uh, people that are, that used to be in the Obama administration, uh, former Secretary of Defense, um, you know, a bunch of big establishment guys are all getting together and gaming this out to save democracy. None of these people give a fuck about democracy. Okay, these are the people that like set up the Iraq war, right? You know, like Bill Crystal and all of those guys, right? I mean, they don't care at all about democracy. You know, they were used to be part of Project for a New American Century, 
right, which a year before 9-11 said we need a new Pearl Harbor for all these policies we want to implement that there will be resistance to unless there's some big event, right, that unifies the country and they called it the new Pearl Harbor and then all the PNAC neocons are in the Bush administration and 9-11 happens, right? And so now you have those same guys, right, saying that this is going to happen if Trump wins or if Trump loses, right? There's going to be chaos either way. So they're essentially just, you know, showing that they're showing it's rigged for chaos, really, either way, regardless of what the outcome of the election is. And the end game, my understanding, I mean, what I feel like, and, and maybe this, this uh, initiative thing that you uncovered goes in, then maybe they just spell it out. To me, it seems like they want chaos in a civil war to A, a distract us from the fact that the ruling class is screwing, screwing all of us. Like if, yeah. these, if these like Second Amendment working class rights, white people realize they were actually in a class war, like if they were going to go hold the Michigan Capitol hostage, not because they couldn't get haircuts and have to wear a mask, but because they're like $4.25 trillion was given to Wall Street and the CARES Act, if that, if the minute that those like Black Lives Matter and those groups get together and realize, oh, we're on the same team, that, that they obviously, that it's over for the ruling class. So they got to keep us distracted right. like that. Well, at the same time you have these election plans, you also have the same forces, I would argue, in power trying to manipulate and infiltrate both sides of these separate movements. So like the protest movement on the right right now, the protest movement on the left, especially around police reform. The lady that created, that co-founded this Transition Integrity Project is a lady named Rosa Brooks. Uh, she used to work for this foundation that had, had a leaked memo come out that was published that talked about capitalizing off of Black Lives Matters and manipulating it to push people for the federalization of police in the United States. Period. That's bad. Okay. And her research, she, she publicly right, writes articles in foreign policy and all these other places. Uh, talking about how there's a need to demilitarize police and all this stuff. Uh, but she, uh, a few years ago, talked about removing Trump via a military coup, that that would be a good idea. I wrote that in Foreign Policy magazine, right? And her research uh, is about the blurring line between military and police. Of course, if you federalize all police, it's all DHS goons, right? That's what that means. It's not good. But basically, you know, it, it talks about capitalizing off of the, the, the desire for reforms and the need for reform, right? But sort of she putting that into pushing for the federalization of police or a stricter, uh, you know, uh, stepping stones towards that with that being the ultimate goal. And that's all outlined in there, right? That's, a, that's an excellent point that Whitney Webb makes. And you see this on the so-called left a lot where, you know, if there's a problem, uh, yeah, you know, shooting where, you know, make it a federal investigation, you know, fed, you get the feds involved. It's like, why, <laughs> why do you want to do that? Uh, Power, what she says, and she talks more about this. She gives some more details from her context historically in Chile, what happened after Augusto Pinochet was uh, installed through a CIA-funded coup, and uh, a lot of people died. She mentions that. It was, it was horrible what happened. But the point being, Anyone, anyone that believes the problem with police, which is real in this country, is going to be better if we have a federal police force is insane because if it's local, you, you could fix it and reform it. If it's federal, there's no, way, there's no way to fix it. How do you change Washington? It's impossible. A case in point, I had mentioned this when Pudgy and I did a show together. Camden, New Jersey. New Jersey is known for its legendary corruption. Camden fired the entire police force. They didn't get rid of the police. They hired a new one. 
<laughs> so anyone who had been on the force, if they wanted to, had to go through a process to get rehired. Some did, not many. That massively improved the police department in Canada. That could never happen if it's federal. Can never, that will never happen. Right. So um, that's the lady that created this transition integrity project thing. That's her other thing uh, uh, as head of uh, Georgetown's uh, program of innovative policing, they call it. So um, there's definitely efforts uh, to, to sort of, you know, uh, manipulate these movements when they pop up, right? So, um, you know, I, I think that's uh, part of, you know, how this whole engineered situation they're trying to set up with election chaos, the race war, too, that they're trying to start, right, also involves manipulations of, of both sides because they're trying to aggravate existing divides, specifically uh, left and right divides and racial divides, right? Uh, to try and create as much chaos as possible because the more chaos they create, the more they can justify imposing order, right? Look at all this chaos. We have to come in and impose order really hard. Um, that's, what the, uh, that's what I would argue this is all about, right? That's this what is it, about clamping down. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. It's all ramping up into like a, a um, you know, get everybody scared and then, oh, martial law, you know, like the test right. run back in, you know, late May, early June, you know, like where I live, Santa Monica, there was military on the streets for a week after there was looting and riots. And it was just like a test run, like, oh, okay, let's yeah. see how this works, how people are going to respond to this. Well, and there were uh, max protests to having military on the streets, which is unconstitutional. People just took it. And they, I think they just keep going, well, we can just keep pushing Americans and Americans. We'll just keep pushing them and pushing them. And when they all get together, we're, we're very good at dividing them. Like, I'm amazed America hasn't had a full-blown revolution already. I just am amazed at it. And if it gets close, this is what this all clamped down is. I mean, that's why and, – and you look at the fear-mongering that comes out of the right, like the Fox media, the fear – oh, and, mm -hmm. and they're okay with, uh, you know, unmarked vans and federal – Yeah, people. well, they're getting the right to support the policies they'd normally be against, not realizing that if the right ever goes out and protests for legitimate reasons, that same power of the state will be sicked on them, you know. This is all about manufacturing consent for those types of tactics becoming the norm. This is something that, you know, the Uniparty, the D.C. establishment has been trying to ever, ever to do for decades and decades, ever since there was this pivot towards homeland security away from foreign policy, this focus on homeland security that was planned out in 1997 by Richard Armitage, who later was uh, uh, in the Bush, George W. Bush administration, right? Um, and, you know, Dick Cheney and all these guys coming up for how to create the Department of Homeland Security, which, of course, didn't get passed into law until after 9-11, which, of course, you know, gave them their, their wish list of things to pass. But what's interesting, too, regarding this whole martial law setup, the Transition Integrity Project, several of their scenarios hint that the military will have to step in to restore order, number one. Number two, there's another organization, company really, that I've written about, I wrote about in January called Cyber Reason Ties to U.S. and Israeli Intelligence, also doing these very creepy simulations about the U.S. 2020 election for free, um, which is very odd because <laughs> they couldn't, you know, use the results of the, just, uh, of the simulation to sell any product, and they were doing it with FBI, Secret Service, DHS. They predicted uh, an imposition of martial law in the United States after the 2020 election and all of their scenarios, which involved cyber attacks and hacking and all this stuff, right, and deep fakes, among other things, right? So uh, it's almost like they're telling you 
um, that something with that's going to happen. Now that that is another excellent point that Whitney Webb made. Uh, there's there are documents out there as white papers where they basically you could say it, they were tipping their hand. Similar to as she mentioned, the project for new American set. Project for a New American Century, PNAC, Restoring America's Defenses, talked about in order to reshape the Middle East the way the U.S. wanted, a.k.a. the New World Order, there would have to be a, uh, a galvanizing event like a new Pearl Harbor. Then just 9-11 happened. Uh, there's a lot out there. She didn't go into detail about cyber attacks. So that can be thrown into the mix, into the mix of all the political chaos then they could say, well, the U.S. is under cyber attack. Another reason to use the military. What's worth pointing out, though, is that back when the coronavirus crisis was really starting to explode, um, back in March, I don't know if people remember, but there was all this uh, concern about what happens if a majority of members of Congress test positive and have to leave, and what happens if the president and the vice president and the speaker of the House all test positive and they have to go, right? So the response to this was to activate um, this task force in D.C. that's part of NORTHCOM, part of the military's NORTHCOM, or Northern Command, which is about the, the Americas, um, North America, right? Um, and they activated protocols. This was reported in Newsweek, right? This is not something I'm making up. They reported on uh, the activation of what they call continuity of government protocols. Um, continuity of government is a program that's existed since um, after World War II, but it was really, um, it basically became a parallel government under Reagan, under the, uh, it involved people like Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld who weren't even in government at the time, okay? Um, they basically set up, this was reported in the Miami Herald in the 80s, right, uh, a parallel government that was allegedly responsible for Iran-Contra and all this stuff going on in the 1980s under the guise of this continuity of government program, which justified itself as, if the president gets taken out or there's some sort of threat to the U.S. government as a, as a whole, these are the protocols and policies we will follow to ensure that the, ensure that the system, the establishment, stays in place, okay? So um, basically a lot of that has to do with martial law and also the rounding up of dissidents um, that was uh, created in this database called Main Corps that I've written about a couple of times. Um, but it was created by Oliver North, who's now like an NRA guy, but he used to be the, you know, the main guy for Iran-Contra um, and deeply tied to this whole thing, this continuity of government uh, protocol back in the 1980s. And, you, and they were putting Americans on this list, right, for doing things like not paying your taxes or going to a protest and all of that stuff. So their ability to, um, and um, after 9-11, people saw Main Corps being on White House computers and all this stuff because Dick Cheney, basically like made all these changes um, where he had like more control than, than Bush did. Uh, I don't really want to go. <laughs> In addition to what Whitney said, also take into consideration, we've had this no-fly list after 9-11. 9-11 accelerated the police state dramatically in the United States. Uh, how do you get on the no-fly list? They don't tell you. How do you get off it? They don't tell you. So without any formal charges, you may not be able to fly. Then you had Rom the Bull Emanuel, former chief of staff for Obama, former Goldman Sachs bankster, former gangster criminal mayor of Chicago, who said, if you're on the no-fly list, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. In addition to what Whitney said, there's also been, there's been a state of emergency since 9-11 that just magically, magically gets renewed every year. This is all either part of continuity of government 
or basically parallel with continuity of government plans, which have been on the books, as she said, at least, at least since the 80s. Uh, to the end of this, but basically, uh, as of 2008, there's, there were supposed to be like 8 million Americans on this database. Um, and basically, it's a protocol for martial law in the United States and rounding up people that may be a threat, uh, deemed a threat to the U.S. government in a continuity of government situation. Um, so, so basically, all of that was activated in March, and we haven't heard about it since. It's still there. It was activated under the guise of the coronavirus crisis. So that task force is ready to, you know, bring into action were something to happen. And it seems like the situation that they're uh, constructing for the 2020 election will allow them to justify, you know, implementing those protocols. Man, this is like, I mean, it's shocking on the one hand, but of course not, because this is what they've been doing. I mean, this is right. Well, for this. Well, here's the thing, right? So like a lot of policies, these people want the, the, the oligarchs, the establishment, whatever, they want to implement. A lot of it they've been doing under the guise of the coronavirus pandemic, but they can only use that as an excuse for so long. At some point, you know, the more they try and implement a lot of these um, surveillance technologies or AI technologies, they'll pass a point where they'll meet a lot of resistance from Americans, right? And Americans will stop believing it's necessary to fight the pandemic and all this stuff. So what do you do then? Well, it seems like they're setting something up um, so they don't have to deal with that resistance or it's easier for them to, um, you know, not have the pesky constitution in the way uh, when people are saying, hey, I have rights. Well, they'll be like, well, uh, you know, now it's martial law. So you actually don't, right? Because uh, in those situations, continuity of government situations, all those rights are suspended, right? So, you know, um, the government in the United States right now is lawless, right? They don't care about the Constitution or your rights or anything else. Uh, they claim to, and because of the court system, even though it's totally fucked up to an extent, sometimes it works, so they can't totally step all over you, but it seems like something is being set up whereby it will be easier for them uh, to not have to deal with, um, you know, resistance to these policies they're trying to implement. I mean, yeah. And the thing I wonder is like all that money spent by the NRA to make sure everybody's, you know, can get a gun or whatever. Now, I mean, like there's been 3 million gun sales since the, since the quarantine, since the pandemic started. Right. Right. And then the, the, the protests and the rioting and the looting and stuff have made more people like go get people on the left, people, whatever, so I'm just curious when they really start clamping down with this martial law, what's going how are people going to react? Like when they're just We honestly don't know and I, I don't wanna get too speculative. What I'd rather focus on is that our best chance is is informing as many people as possible that there is an effort to engineer this conflict and this chaos and it's coming from the the, the criminals that have been behind everything, right? At, at the highest levels of government. It's those guys, it's a small group of people, um, you know, they want bloodshed on American streets. Uh, they want, um, you know, off each other's throats because then they can do whatever they want, Yeah. right? Look, it's, it's already starting. I mean, that 17-year-old kid in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that happens, and then, and then somebody just openly killed a Trump supporter and in right. Oregon or Washington or something, and it's just like, oh, they're really... 
they've really been ramping up for this man. They've really right. Been, and let's huh? keep in mind too, this, these types of conflicts we're talking about that they're trying to engineer here. The, these same people have done this in other countries around the world at the behest of the U.S. State Department or U.S. Aid or the U.S. government in general when it served foreign policy goals. Now they are turning all of that, you know, back on the U.S. Which, you know, I would argue it was always intended to be like that, right? And DHS too, right? You know, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of the tactics that are for the military to use abroad, right? DHS is using those here at home. And now there's this push to get the left to support federalizing police, uh, which is just going to make all police, you know, DHS guys, basically. Because, uh, you know, local law enforcement, right? It's localized. A lot of local uh, police departments are super corrupt and uh, awful. But what happens when, you know, you try and complain to that police department? Okay, but, you know, you want to complain to the federal one, right? It's only one organization, right? It, it's, it's, it's more dangerous. Like the potential for abuse, I would argue, is much higher. You take a country like Chile, for example, under Pinochet, they also federalized the police, right? And so you want to complain about police brutality, in one locality, well, you have to go to the capital, right, and go through all that bureaucracy and bullshit, and nothing ever happens. And the police brutality issue in, in Chile has been the subject of protests for years. Yeah, and, and Pinochet, you know, I mean, it happened quick. All of a sudden, uh, you might be probably more well-versed on this than I am, but my general understanding is he, when he really started clamping down on authoritarian, all of a sudden, within two months, he had... Yeah, the caravan of death, it was called, uh, was part of it. Yeah, and then they rounded up a bunch of people in Santiago, put them in the soccer stadium, and murdered them. Um, yeah, I, and he, remember, uh, was put in power by the CIA and Henry Kissinger, right? And, you know, the CIA trained him in all of his goons and his secret police, right? You know, our government are the people that created this shit all over the world, uh, and now they're going to try and use it on us. So that's why it's very important to study their tactics and inform people. Why? Because honestly, since we know that this chaos is coming, this is a period of relative calm, I guess you could say. Um, we have for another month or two. I mean, it is, it is imperative that, you know, especially now that there, it's becoming so obvious, even in the mainstream, there's going to be some crisis on election day. You know, uh, we really need to try and reach people as much as possible. Um, because once it starts playing out, just like they predicted it and they're telling you, and people have sort of been inoculated with the, you know, the, 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 the idea that it's going to play out like that, and it starts to play out like that, they won't be as easily sheepherded and distracted, and they'll actually maybe focus on the people that are actually doing this shit, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's good for people to be aware of this. I mean, these are the exact tactics, I mean, beat for beat, that they use to destabilize other countries. I mean armed militias and guerrillas, that's what we would call, if you were in, if we were watching this unfold in another country, you'd say, oh, those, those are fascist cops and then armed, these militias are just, oh, those are, those are armed guerrillas. That's what you would call them. You'd call them armed guerrillas, just like, and so uh, it, it's really important that people, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're pointing this out for people to get aware. So where can people read this specific article, Whitney? so they can get more informed and share this with people. If you're out there watching this, share this video and share Whitney's article on all your social media platforms. Yeah, I had mentioned that again, uh, that her, her site is unlimitedhangout.com, unlimitedhangout.com. Again, she's been on Mint Press 
and she's been on the last American vagabond, Whitney Webb. You've been listening to the KRP radio show. Uh, the things uh, things I have discussed tonight uh, are not pleasant, but I believe that is the problem, reaction, solution. This is what the powers that should not be have planned for the U.S. public going forward. Uh, we shall see. As I've said, uh, as I've said before, uh, my hope is not in this world. <laughs> uh, if it was, I, I'm not sure how I'd react to a lot of things. Ultimately, ultimately, this spiritual reality. Uh, you may live a prosperous, healthy, peaceful life, but if you don't know Christ, you're going to head towards an eternal hell. That's why it's the most important thing. The most important issue is not social or political or spiritual. It's to know who Jesus Christ is. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. There's only one way to heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the New Testament says, uh, uh, You have been justified by grace through faith. Uh, it's very clear. That's to be declared righteous. Therefore, if you have been justified by grace through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It justifies a legal declaration. That's the only hope you could have this eternal that no one could take away. Here, Anything, anything is temporal. Anything uh, that you can perceive with your five senses, none of that's going to last anyway. You've been listening to KRP Radio Show, Keeping It Real, with Pudgy Miller, guest host Rocco P. I will hope to be back next month, last Friday, and let's see what that last Friday of October will be. Looks like that is the 30th. Thanks for listening to KRP Radio Show. KRP Radio!